Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me once again today. Always a pleasure to have you with me. We're talking with a lot of uh, advisors, authors, people that you want to hear from when you're planning your business, especially your succession and exit planning that we tend to focus on, but we go all over the board. Now, today we're having a, a repeat guest back. Um, she is uh, did a great job for us last time. She's Jennifer Peak, and uh, Jennifer um, comes to us uh, with great information. She's, she focuses on female business owners who are... Uh, thinking about their their uh, exit plan, what, you know, what to how to transition out, how they should be running their business more efficiently, and so we're going to learn some interesting things from Jennifer. Peak Advisory Group is in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, really pleased to have you back again with us today, Jennifer. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me again. Uh, last time we got a lot of great comments, Jennifer. You focus on working with female business owners um, and. That that's not you know most of it's not that much different than working with any business owner, any male business owner or female business owner. But there are some nuances, and there's a lot of things to think about. Like uh, if you're especially a, a female-owned business and you're operating that way and, and taking advantage of uh, um, those types of um, programs that are out there. So let's get into this first. Let's talk about um, you and your background. Give our listeners a sense of of uh, who you are, what you do. Absolutely. So I started my company, Peak Advisory Group, about 10 years ago. And um, we really specialize, besides working with businesses that are are female-owned, we specialize in the exit elements of business. And that's maybe a little bit broader um, than one might think. But we do business valuations. um, We do financial due diligence. We help put together funding memorandums for people who are buying businesses. Uh, We help manage the transaction process, whether that's um, consulting or data rooms or or just trying to make sure that our business owners understand what the process entails. Okay, great. So nowadays, of course, a lot of business owners are uh, a little concerned uh, over what the value of their business might be if they were to say they were heading for sale. On the other hand, yeah. uh, I don't want to lose sight of the, the fact that there are tremendous potential opportunities for those who are looking at buying businesses that, uh, as part of their exit strategy so when the economy comes back, they're able to sell for a bigger number. So uh, where would you like to start today? Let's, why don't we start with just kind of what's happening? It, it, what are you seeing with business owners? What are the biggest concerns today? 
You know, the the biggest concern, I think, is really understanding, and, and I don't know that anybody can just yet, but understanding the timing of a lot of the things that, that are going on and have gone on. Um, this, the For anybody who is in the United States, and, and it varies by section of the United States, there's various screeching halts that happen, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, and usually that's not the way an economic slowdown happens, right? I think we've, I think a number of us have lived through recessions and slowdowns and, and they tend to happen a little bit more gradually. So this was really a, a big um, element that I don't know that many uh, business owners are, are used to dealing with. And I know for some of my clients, whether it was because they have a little bit of seasonality to their businesses or because they were on a much larger growth track than they were a year ago, um, it's really been mm-hmm. challenging to manage because they were ramping up only to have everything kind of come to a, a big pause. And then they had to make decisions about, you know, scaling back, but doing so with an eye towards the fact that they would have to scale up very quickly. And that's really what I see the biggest challenge being for all of my clients right now is that the level of volatility in terms of their customers and their cash flow and their employees is greater than they've had to manage in quite some time. Um, And I think that that, as the economy and the general workforce gets back to whatever we think this new level of normal is going to be, that's something that everybody's going to be trying to manage through. Um, I also have clients that I think are trying to figure out, you know, what that new level, um, it's probably not going to be what they thought it was when they did their 2020 budget. So what is that new level? And are there additional sort of ripples that we haven't completely felt yet? Um, And and I think that's what Mm -hmm. the next three to six months are really going to be about figuring out. Good points. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the party was just getting good and somebody called the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Sent everybody that's, home. That's right. right. That's, that's a good analogy. <laughs> but And, and the, the problem with that is, of course, a lot of businesses that you're working with uh, are specifically in a, a certain um, era in their business. And that is they were a lot of yeah. them were probably preparing for what was going to be a, a really nice sale of the business or transition because, uh, you know, let's face it, the economists uh, have been saying for a while there was going to be some kind of a mild recession and things were starting to slow down a little bit, but nothing like this. And the question is, how do you manage the back end of a V if it is a V-shaped recovery, mm-hmm. which a lot of economists are saying, hey, hold on to your hats. If if everything goes as planned, hold on to your hats in the last part of the third quarter last and the fourth quarter and, and first part of next year because it's going to be crazy just getting back. So right. uh, let's right. talk about a, a, a couple different industries that maybe you're, you're working with um, and maybe how they're managing through this. Um, let's, how about, uh, do you have anybody that's in, say, the uh, retail or food or auto businesses? Yeah, so we have several clients that are in the in the retail space, and, and it varies in terms of what their products are. But I would define retail as a non-essential business um, that has is largely customer facing, and 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 so they have a couple of, of different 
issues. Um, one of them is that depending upon where they were in the United States as a non-essential business, they've really been forced to largely close their main, you know, storefront. Mm-hmm. And and the biggest, you know, there's a couple of big challenges for them as we come to the other side of that V, as you said. Um, one of them is just the real question of will the customers come back? And, right. you know, and, and I think that depends on certainly if you've got a very personal type of service, um, like that involves like, like a, an esthetician business, right. Or a salon or something yes. like that. I think your that's going to be different than if you own more of a product tech business. And, and, and so I think all of those business owners are looking at, those elements. I know in Kansas City for some of the the food service folks that we work with, one of the challenges is going to be is that they can't come back at 100% capacity, right? It's staged. Mm-hmm. It starts at 10% and then it'll go to, say, 25%. And, and their business plans were not written and haven't been run like they can only get 50% of the people in those restaurants. And right. Capacity so is diminished, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The capacity is diminished. And, and, and that I think is, is where some of those open-ended questions are is capacity is diminished. Is it permanent? Is it temporary? How long is temporary? And can you revise your business plan such that you can still have some sort of profit, which is what creates the value and and an exit strategy when you're at a lower capacity. And and I think those are are really interesting questions. Um, I think a lot of people have also, if we continue with our food service comment, you know, what people have been willing to do, consumers have been willing to do from a carryout perspective and some of those things that, that they may be willing to do in the short term, and that's what everybody's been doing for, you know, six to eight weeks, that may not be sustainable for the next six months. So that's another unanswered question is how do people's buying habits change when you've got diminished capacity, like for a restaurant? Yeah, anybody um, that's so, been in um, in the restaurant business ha- has gone through – um, recessions before, hopefully, if they've you know if they've been in for a while and if they've, they've noticed innovation. I know one of our local restaurants, um, very well known for Italian food, and they said, well, we still we still sell spaghetti and meatballs, but it's thirty two dollars now because you have to buy right. a big platter of it. You have to buy something that'll feed six people as opposed to one single serving. So innovation is exactly. certainly a time for innovation. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll see that. I think you'll see. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you see restaurants, I should say more and more restaurants taking reservations um, so that you can manage, you know, have people flow in and out of the restaurants a little better. I think you'll see a lot of, a, a lot of those different types of things happening. So truly from the industries that you named, those are the, the biggest things that we've seen. I, the other thing that I think is all, and, 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 and unknown, my goodness, um, is whether we do really have that V-shape coming, um, and is it 
specific to certain types of industries. So you mentioned the auto industry as an example. I think as some of the uncertainty gets out of um, people's concerns about their jobs and they go back to work and, and it really does level out, I think you'll see some of that demand come back. Now, I also think you're going to have some industries that have been tremendously impacted and will continue to be significantly impacted. Anything related to travel um, is certainly going right. to have that to deal with. Right, right. And then, of course, there's, you know, manufacturing, um, uh, engineering and construction, other areas like mm -hmm. that that may be working off of a backlog. But the question is, well, um, what industry do you serve on the back end of that backlog, and is that industry coming back? For instance, if you're in construction and you build auto dealerships, you, you might be looking for another industry to serve um, because uh, the, the, certainly the, the supply and demand cycle has been reset. Now, there, have you ever? There's a doctor named Dr. Maxwell Maltz, and Maxwell Maltz was a, a plastic surgeon, and long ago he noticed that it took people about 21 days to get used to their new, let's say, nose, if they did a nose job. It took people about 21 days to, to come around and establish new habits. And from that, all kinds of studies were, were born. And so now we've been, people are establishing new habits, as you mentioned. And so the question is, as a consumer economy, um, will those new habits uh, be served by the business model you were working in, or do you need to adapt um, on the other hand, some of your business owner clients who are looking to exit may find that there are some tremendous opportunities to buy competitors who didn't plan as well. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is, I think, a critical point. There are definitely going to be a lot of opportunities um, in, the, in the marketplace, uh, really regardless of what industry you're talking about. Um, there's, there's one of the things that I like to say, um, I shouldn't say like to say, but one of the things that I say often is, you know, momentum and growth will hide a multitude of business sins. And when that momentum and growth either slows down or comes to a screeching halt, as the case may be, there's a lot of businesses that, that pay for the fact that they were relying on that as opposed to, you know, a sustainable profit strategy and, you know, recurring systems and processes that helped them weather the ups and downs of a normal business cycle. And I definitely think you're going to see a number of businesses who find it difficult, if not impossible, to come back from the fact that there was this hiccup, if, if you, even if that's all it ends up being, right, is a hiccup. And I, I have several clients that, um, you know, their competitors have gone out of business just in the last eight weeks and are, are realizing the gains. Um, this is particularly true in the construction space. So I, I like that you used that example earlier um, where they're, they're picking up projects and, and they're seeing a, a, a change in their mix, right? So some of my clients who were going to do tenant finishes for restaurants are not going to really be doing those anymore um, but their healthcare related projects have accelerated. So that, that's definitely going on. One of the things that I do see in the construction space, though, and I am sure that it applies to other industries, and we're starting to see this come, come through in the moment, is there are going to be some supply chain problems. Um, and, and that has to do with if, if 
part of the project is being built in Buffalo, New York, and it's at the beginning of the project, and it's four weeks late, then the entirety of the rest of the project slows down. And, and I think you're going to see some of those kinds of things happen as well. And if you've got companies that were really relying on that specific timing, again, opportunities. Either they're not going to be able to fulfill their part of the project or they're going to close their doors. In either case, you know, a, a better situated business is going to be able to take advantage of that. And I definitely think that that's something that all businesses should be looking at because growing through an acquisition whether of a completely additional business or a product line or just gaining market share, those are all things that are going to be available for business owners who are really looking to do that. In the world of uh, business finance and uh, accounting, you know, one of the big concerns is always that a business is going to, I'll use a term here, grow broke, not go broke, but grow broke. And that means yep. that they don't have enough cash to keep up with the demand. So there's two worries here, really. One is getting through a period of, of no E in your EBITDA, you know, no, no uh, cash flow. <laughs> That's right. Right. And, and the second one is uh, being ready for uh, what comes next. And so how important is it in your mind for um, uh, business owners to be really, really minding their, um, their banking relationships and their cash positions? It's critical. It, it, it's it's truly critical, and I and I think it, it's what you were pointing out. Um, and I'll take it one step further, and that is that usually your growth cycle comes right after your slow cycle, and you're so you're coming off of a slow cycle where you've maybe utilized your reserves to get through the part of the no E and EBITDA, and then you need capital to ramp up and to grow. And maintaining those business relationships, those banking relationships, you know, being on good terms with your vendors, making sure that you have the right credit policies in place with your customers so that you're not their bank, all of those things that run throughout that cash conversion cycle are, are really important. Um, there's opportunities now, if you can see that growth coming, to start having conversations with your vendors about, you know, extended terms even an extra 10 or 15 days can help you manage. And, and if you don't know how long your cash conversion cycle is, it's a great time to figure that out. And, and what I mean by cash conversion is when do you start investing, you as a business owner start investing in a process, a service, a product, or a project, and when do you get paid for that? So if, you know, if, if you – have to buy raw materials and then convert them to a finished good, and that includes labor, and then you have to sell it, and then you have to get paid for selling it, how long does that take? And you have to make sure that you've got the cash to cover that cycle. And there are ways to manage that, like I, like I mentioned, right, how long before you have to pay your vendors. You're going to get to pay payroll every week or two weeks or every month, um, and so you want to make sure that, that you're capable of doing that. Great tips. And, of course, uh, you know, if you are thinking about 
preparing for the business exit, you need somebody who's well-rounded and uh, well-experienced in those areas, and that's where Peak Advisory Group comes into play. Uh, Jennifer, are there any uh, uh, final uh, short, brief tips you'd like to tell our owners about, or, or do you have anything on your website that they should be looking at? Um, there's a couple of things. So my, my first brief tip is try not to panic. <laughs> um, there's, there's, I think some people have already panicked and calmed down from that, but I think as, as things start to continue to move and migrate, um, there's going to be another round of trying to figure things out. And there's a lot of value that can come from, from, you know, talking to a, a trusted advisor whether that's us, whether it's somebody that they already know, having another perspective can be immensely helpful. So I, I highly recommend that. Um, the other thing that I would point business owners to is on our website, and I'll actually give you a, a, an easy website to remember, which is Business Value Quiz. That is a short nine-question quiz that business owners can take to just identify their key business value drivers and how they're stacking up on those. And then mm -hmm. they'll get a 19 page report that gives them suggestions and act on where they are. So it doesn't calculate a business value, um, but it looks at the drivers inside the company um, and, and that's free. And it, you can also find it on the peakadvisory.com website as well. Very valuable information, well stated, uh, and uh, really enjoyed uh, us getting together today, Jennifer, to talk about all of these issues. I wish you uh, and your family and your clients all the best, and I hope to uh, talk with you again very soon here on Exacoach Radio. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.